Welcome to Pop Culture Confessions, a podcast where we fix our greatest movie mistakes. I'm Ryan, and I'm joined by Amanda. What's up? And Hannah. Hi! So in this podcast, we try and find movies that at least one of us hasn't seen, that we really should have seen by now, and then we kind of confess what we have left undone, what we... We confess our sins. Yes. And then we go and we watch the movie, and we come back and we talk about it. So we kind of make predictions about what it is we're expecting to see maybe what we've just picked up through pop culture osmosis and then uh, we watch it and talk about it yeah and we try and have a good time there we go we do it yeah try not to give each other a hard time <laughs> it's very serious so serious <laughs> extremely serious minded and academic <laughs> sometimes we get into some technical stuff you do yeah <laughs> You know more about film than us. Yeah, whatever. So last week we talked with special guest Michael DeMonico of the Not Her Again podcast, and I made a confession of my own. So something's been on my mind lately, guys. Oh? Well, the weather's getting a little colder. It's getting a little bit darker. It's getting a little spooky, though. It is getting a little spooky out there. (laughs) I'm feeling a little chill on the back of my neck. I think read it into a, a spooky time of the year. So I was thinking about scary movies and that there are some of them that I haven't seen for reasons. And I thought that this mm-hmm. would be a really good time during a, you know, spooktober. I, I, whatever, whatever you want to call it. right? Or spooktacular, spooktober. A ramp up to Halloween that this might be a good time to start uh, talking about some horror movies. So I have a horror movie that I have not seen that I think it's time to correct that problem and i really feel like you guys okay. you know through this no shame zone several times went into the no shame zone and felt you know secure and safe in there so feel like i'm mm-hmm. come into the yeah, embrace i'm in a place where i can mm-hmm. got you not at all creepy small dark room <laughs> of the no shame zone <laughs> come in ryan <laughs> Come to mommy, Ryan. <laughs> Come here. Ryan, you'll float too. Oh, you're making it creepy. It's child nursery rhymes. And... <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, if you want to have like, something scary, just have a nursery rhyme and like something Ryan. bouncing down the hallway like a ball or something. You're like, what the fuck? Ryan. Ryan. Oh, So I felt that it's time to see this movie. I have never seen Shaun of the Dead, which you guys well know. Yay! Yay! I get to watch that movie again! I've resisted it for so long because people have so wanted me to see it. (laughs) We finally got you to do it! (laughs) But I I think it's time. There have been other movies that I've resisted seeing that I finally have gotten around to seeing. And they've been pretty good experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's time to correct this. I'm going to try and approach it with an open mind. Okay. Okay, so is the only reason you haven't seen it because people are so convinced that you must? Or is it also other reasons? Like the stuff that you actually know about the movie? In general, I don't like British comedy very much. Actually, let me back that up. I like Monty Python very much. I don't like how much people are into Monty Python and will quote it and then take it as like their own. Right. Like they're trying to have a conversation, but it's in Monty Python quotes. Yeah. That puts me off on a lot of British comedy. Although when I watch like the Mm. IT crowd, like I enjoy that. I like Mr. Bean. Like, 
Oh, I love the IT crowd. When I think about it, there are lots of British comedies I do like. It's just that was a major reason why I didn't see it. And then I had a friend who loved that movie and was like, you need to watch that movie. It made him so mad that I hadn't seen it that it was worth <laughs> more to me to keep him mad than to see the movie. <laughs> oh, truly a troll at heart. Guys are like wow. that. I mean, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're only hurting yourself, mm -hmm. though. Because it sounds like you really do like British comedy. You're like, oh, I like Monty Python, and I like the IT crowd. You just don't like the people who like British comedy. Right, you just don't like the fandom around it. Yes, and I think that that's not fair to the artists. Like, a thing that I don't like is that they're not giving kind of the creator their due. I should view the creator's work without letting them get in the way of my dislike. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand. That's kind of why I haven't watched, like, like Rick and Morty because exactly. of the culture around it because the fandom just makes me like Schwan's house. yeah oh, pickle rack yeah. whatever that is <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like when I was watching Back to the Future, I was thinking about Rick and Morty, and I'm like, well, if I watched Rick and Morty, I'd probably actually maybe enjoy this in a whole other way, but I don't, so I just know that it's a reference to it. Okay, so you have never seen any of the Edgar Wright movies, right? Or the, the main three of the Cornetto trilogy, right? Other than Sean Pilgrim, no. Oh, right, we talked about Sean Pilgrim. Already. Yes. I forgot. <laughs> Which, yes. Scott Pilgrim, yes. I know, Sean but I have to keep the joke going, right? Which I like that. So, but you liked Sean Pilgrim, right? Yes, I love that movie. And I've also seen a video where they talk about how he does mm -hmm. physical comedy very well and does like kind of like mm -hmm. how you enter and exit a scene really well. I mean, as people have probably figured out, yes. I talk about like camera shots all the time. So I think that I will really enjoy that part of the movie, which I suspect mm -hmm. there will be a lot of. The only thing I know about it is there are zombies, I think, but I don't think they know there are zombies, if I'm right, that they're too <laughs> caught up in their own bullshit to... No, there are zombies. So like a, a hot social commentary. And I think there's like a cricket bat or something involved in some way. I think pretty much every zombie movie that's ever been made is a social commentary. Yes. Well, that's the best horror movies do that. You know, that you can take social forces or things and turn them into physical things that you can confront and make your commentary that way. Like Buffy is really good at that. Okay, so what else do you know about this movie other than that you think it's zombies that don't think they're zombies? No, I think that the people, like the human characters, oh, don't even acknowledge that there's a zombie apocalypse happening. That they're just oblivious to it the whole time? I don't know if I heard that or that's the impression that I get. I think I'm going to see like a zombie horror movie going on in the background and like a British comedy happening in the foreground. It's just like a, like a typical roommate slash office comedy. Right, it'll be like The Office, but in the window you'll see somebody being devoured by a <laughs> Zombie. That's what I'm expecting. Okay. <laughs> I feel like their survival ability would be drastically lowered if they yeah. never realized well, I, that it was happening. I mean, that's how people get got, but you'll see. True. Yeah. No, I mean, no spoilers. So do you know of any like big scenes or references or quotes or anything like that? No, I think the only scene I can think of is from Hot Fuzz where they're like jumping over a bush or something. Oh, good. Very good scene. Well, there's a similar thing in this one. They do a lot of physical comedy. I am very, very excited to see the physical comedy and the camera work in this. I'm actually really looking forward to that because I've heard it's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to... I don't think I've ever really focused on the camera work, but maybe I will this time. I've heard, like, the way that people, like, enter and exit scenes is films is, you know, one thing that does very, very well. So I, I kind of want to see that. I am actually looking forward to this one. I was, <laughs> I've been dreading it and putting it off for so long and then <laughs> maliciously enjoying not seeing it and driving somebody crazy. 
Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to have you watch this movie. Yeah, I've rewatched this a bunch in my life, but this just gives me an excuse to watch it again. So thank you. I'm the gift that keeps on giving. I'm so. <laughs> yeah, thank you f- for that permission, I guess. <laughs> so we have to get from this sad timeline where I haven't seen this movie uh-huh. to a future where I have. The sad timeline where also everything just sucks in general. Yeah. Maybe it'll be better. (laughs) But probably not. I honestly believe ever since they fired up that uh, that large glider. The large hadron collider. Yes. You know. At CERN. Thanks, science. They actually caught somebody trying to destroy it because they were convinced that it was it was affecting things well i think you need to run it in reverse you can't destroy it (laughs) (laughs) yeah you gotta fix the damage first we would have no way of knowing though right right like that's the theory is that it just it changed something other than just that sense that something is off something's off right everybody all of a sudden has a goatee (laughs) in the mirror universe like did we always have goatees all of us even babies (laughs) I don't think that's... Is that? Oh, my God. Baby (laughs) goatees. That's so disturbing. By the way, a real uh, cheap and easy Halloween costume, if you need an idea, to just go as the darkest timeline version of yourself. (laughs) I like that. Just slap on a goatee. So what I do for my Halloween costumes is I usually will... I did this a couple years in a row, and it's real easy, is you take a regular Halloween costume and then do your zombie makeup underneath it. (laughs) That's a solid winner. Oh, my last one that I did was actually two years ago, and it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So zombie Ruth Bader Ginsburg no, would be a bad no, look. No, no, thank you. I just ordered a Notorious RBG shirt. I just got it yesterday. I just got one for my mom for her birthday. Happy birthday, mom. Well, my little next door neighbor was Black Panther for Halloween, but his big brother was a zombie. So he ended up getting zombie makeup. <laughs> <laughs> so he was zombie Black Panther. All right, how are we getting in the future? Wow. And there we go. Nailed the dismount. That got louder and more intense as it went on. I was like, is she going to brown out? Like, she's. This is science. I'm sciencing. I'm doing science right now with my mouth. So here we are in the present, in the no shame zone. I have a summary from IMDb for the movie, so we don't have to go scene by scene to the plot. So for Shaun of the Dead from IMDb, the description is, A man decides to turn his moribund life around by winning back his ex-girlfriend, reconciling his relationship with his mother, and dealing with an entire community that has returned from the dead to eat the living. I think that's a really wordy way of saying it. Well, the way that's written, it makes it sound like the entire community that has returned from the dead is a result of his decision. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, and community. Also, what's up with the use of that $5 word, moribund? Moribund. I mean, I think it kind of actually goes like against kind of the charm of the movie, which is they just kind of fall ass backwards into yeah. mm-hmm. having to deal with the situation. Yeah. yeah. To me, when I was watching it, the charming part of it was all the scenes where they are so absorbed in their own stupid stuff <laughs> that they completely <laughs> ignore the apocalypse happening yes <laughs> so you thought that that was if i remember correctly last week in your prediction you thought that that was the whole movie yes i thought that they would almost never acknowledge what was happening oh 
Which right. is true. I think I've seen clips, like, maybe of the first 20 minutes of the movie where that's basically mm-hmm. true. And I thought yeah. that was the whole thing. Got it. I mean, it does change from that into where they realize what's going on. So how did the reality hold up to your expectations? I liked the movie. I don't think I loved the movie. I, th- I don't know if maybe it's been built up so much in my head. <sighs> but I want to see the other ones in the series. And I, I liked it okay. I laughed a few times. I thought there were some scenes that were really kind of funny. <laughs> I laughed a couple times, you know. Uh, just go ahead and stab me in the heart. Right. <laughs> I thought the scene where the two groups of survivors are walking past each other and they all match yeah. each other, I thought that was really funny. That was really good, yeah. Okay, so some of the film nerd stuff I thought would really appeal to you in this movie. I did. That's what I was just going to say. Okay, okay. Is I really, I like when you watch a director's work and it's unmistakable as their creation. Yeah. Like, there are things that he does that I think are, they seem like they're signatures of his to me. Like, once he started doing them, I was comparing it to the other movie of his I've seen. Like, he does, he frames his shots really well. Like, he does a really good job of Mm -hmm. centering the people in the shot and then things come in from the side for comedic effect. Or, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, he'll do the jump scares, the fake jump scares in the beginning the same way. Yeah. Or it pans for comedic effect. Yeah, he has a really strong sense of like visual space and how you use that. Yes. It's almost like he's playing with the idea that you can only see what's in the frame, but an actual person in there would have a more complete vision of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Did you take note of the extremely long tracking shot yes. where <laughs> it's Sean's morning routine before and after the zombie apocalypse? Almost exactly unchanged, the same. Yes, I like that. There's also okay. a really long <laughs> shot where he's basically I, I don't know if it's the same one you're referring to where he's walking through that morning yeah mm-hmm. like once he leaves his house and yes. goes to the store and he runs by the same people there's it's the same perspective that's probably why you thought that was the whole movie is because it's a really famous shot yeah I also like the way that he did his like scene transitions like there's one scene the one that I really noticed is someone throws something in like a garbage can and you follow it down into the can and then it comes out into the other scene mm-hmm. the way that he plays with the visuals I thought was really Pretty striking. I liked it a lot. That part of it. Yes. I felt like I was definitely watching someone with a style. What other Edgar Wright movie have you seen? Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Scott Pilgrim. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Sean Pilgrim. <laughs> right. I mean, we all love Sean Pilgrim. It's all of our favorite movies. <laughs> you can all quote it the... verbatim, start to, to finish. So much Sean Pilgrim. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't find it all that super funny. I did actually like there's a scene where his stepfather dies, and then there's a scene where his mother died. Mm-hmm. I thought both of those were actually really strong, dramatic yes. scenes yes. in the comedy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I thought they were very effective. I died. I died all over again. Yeah, that broke my heart a little bit again. Oh, Bill Nye does so much with so little in this movie. <laughs> yeah. He has so little screen time. That's Bill Nye? Bill Nye. Nye. Oh. Nye. <laughs> no, it's not the science guy. <laughs> of also Love Actually and oh. that time travel movie with the evil guy from Star Wars and other stuff. He's also in, he's in Hot Fuzz. Yes. He has a very small part in Hot Fuzz, but yes. I actually went back and rewatched Hot Fuzz <laughs> after this, and I haven't gotten into the world yet, but I probably will in the near future. I mean, I've seen it, but I haven't rewatched it. 
I was discussing this with my husband after we watched it. I found Edgar Wright's movies, especially this trio, they're funnier on the second watch. There's so much stuff in this that I, like, I have watched this movie so many times, and there is stuff that I am still noticing for the first time. I definitely get the idea that the corners and backgrounds of the scenes have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this time I watched with subtitles on, which I don't think I've ever done before. And there's an implication that the outbreak came from space. Yes. Which they, they never really explain it, but there's like a, oh, this thing crashed down and there's some kind of mystery, but then it cuts off before you mm-hmm. get an, an actual... There's a lot of references to other zombie movies and like direct scenes yes. from them in life. Totally. Which I feel is more like a loving tribute than maybe like a... Parody. Like a Wayne's Brother parody kind of deal, you know? Yeah, no, no. Like, it's not like that when I say that there's direct references. It's much better than that. I also realized that the shitty kid that Sean works with was the one that just a few scenes prior had been calling Ed for drugs. Oh! Oh! Because he tells him, he's like, no, I've only got Henry. And then when the kid gets a call from his friend, he's like, no, he's only got Henry. <laughs> it's the same person. <laughs> That's funny. Which I also oh. only noticed because of the subtitles. Wow. I also, I really enjoyed that there are lines of dialogue that they'll speak that are like predictions for what's going to happen in the rest of the movie mm-hmm. that come true. Yes. The fucking callbacks are so tight. Oh, there's so much foreshadowing. I really enjoyed that. Like, once I realized they were doing that, I'm like, whoa, this would be better on the second watch where you can see what they're... Yeah, you see it. Yes. Everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's like thick and fast. I did enjoy, like, the actual characters in the movie, their interactions. I found them all to be extremely believable and relatable. Like, I felt like I know these people. Yes. I wrote that down. Like, right from the very first scene, mm-hmm. you feel like, just the very first few lines of dialogue feel like you know intrinsically who these people are Mm -hmm. absolutely they do a really good job the shows that sean is flipping through in the store when he's like showing a customer the tv those are the same series of shows that at the end you see all the zombies cameoing in what i also liked is there's a trope in movies where a character will turn on like the tv and there'll be the perfect news story that's explaining what's Mm -hmm. going on and that's happening (laughs) but he's just changing through the channels and they'll flip it (laughs) But it's still telling a complete narrative that's happening. I thought that was very clever. I liked that a lot, too. Yes. Right. And it's simultaneously illustrating Sean's sort of the fact that he's already kind of a zombie, that he's kind of just shambling through life, not paying much attention to the world around him, not making active decisions. Just like everybody else. Yeah, that was a very clear theme that they were going for, that people live these lives of, you know, where you might as well be (laughs) like a zombie. I mean, they didn't have any scenes where they were staring at their cell phones. I felt like if you made this movie now, that would be part of the... Right. This is a little bit pre... This is definitely pre-smartphone. Cell phones were still just a tool at this time, not necessarily an obsession. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but any other, like, major highlights that you thought stood out to you? Any performances that you really liked? I thought his best friend was pretty good. Ed. Like I said, like that guy, I think we all know that guy. Nick Frost. <laughs> in some way. Oh, you mean not literally know the actor, <laughs> but we know an Ed in our lives. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everybody has an Ed. Their interaction really nails guy friendships in a lot of ways. So I thought that was a, a real highlight of it. Like I said, I thought the dramatic turns with the parents when they both died was really good, were, was very effective. And then, yeah, we talked about Bill Nye, but the mom's death is so heart-wrenching too, because it comes out of nowhere. I also thought that was a very strong reference to the standoff scene in Reservoir Dogs. 
Yes! Oh, yeah. Because there's like a, a scene where Nice Guy Eddie is saying like, don't point that gun at my dad. And then he's holding the thing and says, don't point that gun at my mom. And like the same tone of voice and phrasing. And then they have the whole standoff thing with the beer bottles, which I thought was yeah. kind of funny too. I didn't think it was very scary. Like, I don't think this is a horror movie at all. I think this is a comedy straight up. Really? You didn't think it was scary at all? Maybe I saw it at yeah. a time originally no. when I hadn't seen a lot of other zombie movies, but I thought it was scary. I thought when they did the gore, like when the guy's being dragged out the window and they're like eating yeah. him alive. I thought that was pretty good. That's the goriest part. Oh yeah, that was the worst part. And I also thought there were some kind of in the background little suggestions of something off. Like you'd see like a dead body like lying on later like porch, but they wouldn't focus on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the woman who falls yeah. on the uh, umbrella stand, the outdoor umbrella stand, and impales herself and then gets back up. There's so much background horror that just happens that you really have to be looking for, though. Like, when they walk out of the bar when they're drunk the night before the apocalypse really starts to happen. The making out couple, yeah. The couple that was making out on the way in is now one eating the other on the way out. I also liked in the convenience store when he came in, like, little details like all the bloody handprints on the glass. Mm-hmm. That he just doesn't notice yes there's a zombie standing in the back of the store that he doesn't notice either he just doesn't notice that yep out of focus though i feel like a woman (laughs) would have been like nope (laughs) well yeah because women have to be more alert for danger at all times yes like we have to be alert but like a man would just be like oh yep they need to clean difference in how we navigate the world I think what you're saying about it being better and funnier on the second watch, I I sense that what you're saying is is true because there's so much in the background and so many lines of dialogue that are going to come true that you have to Mm -hmm. kind of know what's going to happen. You've got red on you. Glad somebody made it. I was even noticing a few more of those that I hadn't registered. Like, you're not coming in when he first goes to Liz's. They're like, Lizzie doesn't want to see you. You're not coming in. And he's like, coming in. And then they say it again later. Yep. And then he actually climbs up that time. Somebody, I wrote this down, I don't remember what the context was, but somebody tells Ed to go live in the shed at one point. And then at the end, he is living in the shed. Yes, Peter does. It's like, you might as well be living in the shed like an animal. Yeah, there's lots of lines like that. Ed genuinely is a nightmare roommate. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (sighs) In real life, I would be Peter. Yeah. Like, 4 (laughs) a.m., you have to go to work in the morning, you're sick, and your idiot roommates are blasting drunk, are drunk and blasting music at the top volume downstairs (laughs) with no respect for your whole situation. Like, I would be furious. For your whole, like, having an adult real person job. Right. Like, you've grown up and they haven't. Right. And it sucks. But they're still your friends, or at least one of them is still your friend, so you want to be, like, cool or whatever. But, ugh, no. I used to live next to someone who, I don't know if they just had opposite hours of me or if they were just assholes, but (laughs) their living room was next, shared a wall with my bedroom. They would do, like, thumping dubstep at all hours of the night. And so it would be, like, through my wall. Sounds like Transformers having sex in the next room over. Right. Like, I wouldn't actually hear the music. I would just hear the bass because it would vibrate my whole wall. (laughs) It sucked. So, yeah, I sympathize with Pete, which I've, over the years, done more and more. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't deserve to die that way just because he is a (laughs) grown-up. 
I find a lot of movies like that will happen where you'll watch it at one time and you'll identify with kind of like maybe the slacker character and then you get a little older and you're like, these parents make a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe parents do understand. Have either of you rewatched Rent since it first came out? It's been a while. Never seen it. I rewatched it like a couple of years ago and I was like these kids just need to get their shit together and just get a damn job oh my god you have to pay rent somebody owns that building right they need to be able to make their mortgage payment someone has to pay the property taxes on that building (laughs) this would not fly in modern day New York Uh, we're going to be the first up against the wall when the revolution comes. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel bad, but I'm like, uh. Back to Sean. <laughs> Back to Sean. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed in the ending. He ends up getting more, I guess, agency in his own life. Yeah, that's the word for it. But then Liz just kind of settles. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> See, I kind of enjoyed with them playing with the trope of you don't automatically get the girl. Because, like, there were times where she's like, what makes you think we're getting back together? You know, right. like, I mean, in the end, <laughs> yeah. they do. You don't but... want to die single, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but Liz definitely does change, I think, a lot. Almost like the end of Greece, where the girl changes a lot to accommodate the guy. The guy grows up a little bit, but the girl ends up changing, modifying her life more. Yes. Because all she really wanted was a little bit of, like, adventure and variety. I guess she kind of got adventure because it was the apocalypse. Yeah. (laughs) So she's like, hmm, maybe I'm done with adventure now. (laughs) Maybe be careful what you wish for. Okay, here's a question. Why did A, Sean choose the Winchester and B people just decided that was right. Like everybody just sort of went along with him. There have to be other places that don't have giant windows on the ground floor. Yeah. But the whole point is that's his safe space. Mm-hmm. Right. But he acts like he's never seen a zombie movie before. When clearly zombies, the concept of zombies exist in their world. Right. Like if you've ever seen a zombie movie, you know that's not where you go. You go to Liz's. Right. You go to Liz's. Liz's is the most safe place. The elevated secure place. Yes. You go to Liz's, you stay there. Agreed. Because he originally proposes that, and then Ed is like, oh, but I can't smoke there. (laughs) And so they go to the fucking Winchester instead, which everybody justly is mad at him for proposing, but for some reason, they just, they they do it anyway. He's the only one with a plan. I think, what was the other girl's name? The one with the hat? Yeah, hat girl. (laughs) Diane. (laughs) I mean, she's just like, well, we weren't doing anything anyway. Like, he came in with a plan. Yeah, but they were safe. Yeah. They were safe. Safe where they were. They could have waited it out. They could have. They did not have to go anywhere. It didn't really seem like they were together enough or with it enough to really, like, have enough, like, water or whatever. Well, unless the water turned off within a few days. Like, it had just happened overnight. Would the water already be off? Uh, depends <laughs> on what was happening. If somebody turned into a zombie and yeah. then, like, crashed their car into, like, a thing. That's one thing that I kind of like about, I mean, this is sort of not exactly unrelated, but definitely a tangent. What I like like about uh, the stand from Stephen King is society breaks down like everyone dies and then all the stuff starts breaking down over time Mm -hmm. and like commodities go away and electricity and water like you see how long that stuff takes to go away like how long can a generator run before it blows if no one's maintaining it or feeding it right or how long does a hydroelectric plant 
right. continue to function. Mm-hmm. Or you'll see sometimes those like what if kind of like fake docu-science kind of things like what would happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was one that was like after humans or something. Earth after humans. Yeah, that's exactly the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Like how long will it take for this mall to revert back to woodland? Or like if you look at like the areas around like Chernobyl and ignore all the radiation, that's how quickly nature reclaims things. Mm-hmm. Or just look at my backyard. <laughs> Well, I mean, people actually do that on purpose around here. They're like, I'm letting my space revert back to, you know, a grassland. Yeah, tell that to my HOA. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I'd like to do that. Like, I'd like to heal the land, but they won't let me heal the land. I'm doing radical laissez-faire xeriscaping. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Wait, who did Baby Driver? Is that also a... That is also an Edgar Wright movie. I fucking knew it. I saw that movie a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and when I was yeah. watching this, I didn't know that when I watched it. But when I was watching it, I'm like, man, this has a lot in common with Baby Driver, mm-hmm. which is a weird, you know, zombie comedy to have in common. But the transitions, mm-hmm. the things, that's... It does a lot of, like, fast close-up yep. action shots. Yes. Like, <laughs> He also does this thing where he cuts together a lot of still shots. And then he brings the music that they're listening to. It it goes from non-diegetic to diegetic. So it's not in the movie. And then suddenly it's part of mm-hmm. the scene. Yep. Diegetic sound being sound that is organically in the movie. Like there's a radio that's actually playing it. Not just like music that nobody else can hear. And then the big example of that in this is the Queen song. Which mm-hmm. the first time I watched this movie, I'd never heard that song before. And it became part of my regular rotation in my, I went through like, <laughs> A classic rock phase in college, partly because of this. I just remember there was a, I think it was something awful. The forums took like the first 10 minutes of Saving Private Ryan and had a contest to see like who could dub the most inappropriate song over it. And this was one of the songs, and I was like, you know, like, considering, you know, the Shaun of the Dead use, it's not that bad. I don't think Ryan appreciates the humor of that one. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan is probably one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and I know, I I've know. never seen it. What? Yep. Okay. We'll have to do it for... Uh... D-Day. Oh, absolutely. We will do it at some point, for sure. So you guys already kind of talked about how your reaction to it, seeing it again. Hannah, did you have any specific, like, oh, wow, this was different? I noticed a lot more of the callbacks it kind of it just there's so much depth to i think just any of edgar wright's anything that you're gonna see oh i wanted to mention spaced the tv show Mm -hmm. that they all did together there are a lot of callbacks i think basically everybody who was in that show is in this movie at some point yeah he has his stable of actors Mm -hmm. like a few other directors do yeah i need to go back and watch space i think i watched like one or two episodes a long time ago when i was watching this i was kind of thinking about ant-man which Edgar Rice was kind of like famously assigned to see. Yes. What would that have been like? Well, I think you know what it would be like. My favorite part in Ant-Man is where that guy is telling the story. That to me seems like that was written by Edgar Wright and done in his style. Filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he just keeps talking. <laughs> I mourn for the Edgar Wright version of Ant-Man. Yeah. Not that Ant-Man was bad. Ant-Man was fine. It just could have been more, I think. I think he has too strong of a style for Marvel. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, Taika Waititi has a very strong style, and he is Marvel. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, but it was wrong. The tone was wrong for Thor. (gasps) No! (gasps) Hard disagree. No. Don't get me wrong. It was funny. (laughs) It was funny as shit as a movie. It took Thor in a much-needed direction. It's the best. Thor movie! 
It took Thorne a very good direction as far yes. as making him less of a pompous jerk and more mm. of a, like, making fun of himself character. Mm, that's not Thor, <laughs> but all right. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Throw down. Nerd fight! Nerd fight! Well, it just, it breaks the dramatic tension anytime there is some. They have to go to a joke, which completely undermines the whole idea of, you know, Ragnarok happening. It still packs an emotional punch. I don't know. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. It was funny, and I like that movie, but it's not a Thor movie. Except it literally has Thor in it. <laughs> There's a guy named Thor. It's true. Oh. Thor doesn't show up in that movie. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. So you're you're rejecting it from your head canon. Yeah, it's not even in your canon, your personal canon. My whole point with this, before we got off on nerd battles, is that <laughs> Marvel movies, like, if you bring in a director who has a really strong style, that it becomes more of one of their movies than a Marvel movie. And so I can see why. I mean, what about James Gunn? What about Guardians? That had a very strong sense of self. I think Guardians had a overall negative impact on <gasps> Marvel movies. <laughs> Whoa! That every movie became joke fest. Don't get me wrong. I think the actual, the first Guardians movie is really fucking good and probably one of the best Marvel movies. But mm -hmm. every movie after that became Guardians of the Galaxy, whatever. I don't think so. I disagree. I think there's such a clear dividing line. They always had a sense of humor. You think Black Panther was the Guardians movie, but in Africa? It's the only one that doesn't undercut its dramatic moments with humor recently. Mm, they always had a sense of humor, I would argue. But they don't, but they would have funny scenes and they would have dramatic scenes. You wouldn't have a scene that's supposed to be full of drama and then somebody like fart and fall down, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. You're wrong, Ryan. You're wrong. Okay, maybe. This is not the Marvel squabble cast. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Yeah. Anything wildly problematic? I noticed a few things. Ed says the N-word at one point, which is not great. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, no. And then he also says gay as an insult. He's not like an an exemplar. That's why I think the difference is, yeah, right. he's not held up as a great example of how he should behave. And he does kind of get a look from the people. Right. But he is supposed to be a protagonist. Like, he's not supposed to be, I don't know, he's flawed, but he's still supposed to be a fundamentally good dude. That's true. He's not like the roommate. Yeah, that's true. No, yeah, I agree with you on the on the, the inward dropping one. But And then there's an argument to be made that it somehow promotes mediocre white male excellence. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that, like, Sean is the leader by default just because he's the guy and he's a white guy. He's the one being the most macho at that time. I feel like this movie is aware of that trope and a lot of other tropes and plays with them. Like, it's not unaware yeah. of what it's doing. Right. Like, his decision gets most of his friends killed. Yes. So, like, he's not a paragon. He's not, like, a amazing alpha leader. Best friend is turned into a zombie. But he achieves all of his goals. Which is get his girlfriend back. He doesn't save his mom. I mean, that's one of his major goals. He has three goals. Get his mom, right. get his girl, and get his shit together. I guess he gets two out of three. Sure. He ends up happy, I guess. What I'm saying is, like, no, he does achieve all of his goals and he wouldn't have under normal circumstances. Right. Yeah, like, if there wasn't an apocalypse, he wouldn't have ever gotten out of the rut that he was in. Maybe it was the fact that Ed died. <clears throat> that he gets to keep Ed in a little a metaphorical and literal box. In a shed. Yes. Off to the side, where he's not part of his daily life. He doesn't have to deal with him, but he gets to go, <laughs> like, vacation and, right, he gets to go hang out when he wants to, when he needs to. I play video games with him every once in a while. When he needs an escape. Yeah, Ed is the kind of guy who's a good friend to have around, but not a 
good roommate. Well, no, he's not even a particularly good friend. Well, he's fun. You can't tell me if you were going to go to the bar that you wouldn't want yeah. him to go with you. He's fun to hang out with. Oh, no, yeah. No, definitely. He's that kind of a friend. He also is very supportive when bad things happen to you. But his version of support is let's go get drunk more. and Let's go get drunk. Right. Yeah. He's a dude friend. He really is. <laughs> he's the id. Right. Ed is the id, yes. Oh, that's a connection I had not made. Ed and id. And I guess that makes Liz the superego or Peter the superego. I'm going to say Liz is the superego because she's the better version of it. No, I th- who's the other kind of nerdy guy? Uh, David? Yeah, I think he would be the superego. David the douchebag? Because he's very much about like control and regulation. He's very officious. Well, and then Peter too. David is very much into seeming like he's in control. Yes. He doesn't actually want to take the lead and be responsible for anything he just wants to be the he has the big speech where he stands up and says i'm in charge now right (laughs) but that's only because sean is gone at that point and he keeps like parroting back better things that other people have said as though it's his own idea (laughs) he's a wanker yeah he's your classic wanker he definitely is he's like a first class wanker grade a premium beef wanker Uh, Penelope Wilton is so good. Oh my God. The mom. Yeah, she was good. She's good in everything I've ever seen her in. I was reading that like after her like death scene that they basically sat down and like cried together because it was so intense for them. (laughs) (laughs) You had to shoot Penelope in the face. (laughs) She does that transformation really well from convincing mom who can't even pretend to be a zombie to actual zombie for just a split second is great. Yeah. When Ed says, I only hold you back. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because in life, and also literally right now because he's turning into a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) The movie's good at that with your callbacks and repetition and double meanings to things. This time I bought it on streaming, but I also have the DVD somewhere in the bowels of my house. The DVD special features show that Diane did not actually die when she ran out into the zombies. She took her boyfriend's leg and used it to beat off the zombies as a cudgel long enough to get up into a tree and hide there. And she survived. So he didn't get literally all of his friends killed. Diane survived. No thanks to Sean. Um, and then who else? Who's the other one that... Yvonne, the friend who's like, glad somebody made it. Yes. <laughs> Is it implied at the end that she lost her whole group, every single person she was with? They aren't there, so I think so. Right. And the way she says, glad somebody made it at the end is like very mournful. Yes. Poor Yvonne. <laughs> she didn't deserve that any more than Peter deserved to die. <laughs> Team Peter. <laughs> I'm Team Peter Serafinowitz generally. Oh, yeah, I forgot to even <laughs> talk about that. That's the amazing Peter Serafinowitz. Baby-faced Peter Serafinowitz. So, Ryan, are you glad you watched it? I am. Although this isn't my favorite movie, I liked it enough that I want to watch the other ones. Okay. Some people think that Hot Fuzz is actually better than this one. I would be one of those people. I don't know how I feel. I just watched them back to back and I, oh, I'm i torn. Like, I want to be clear when I say it's not my favorite movie. Like, I didn't dislike it at all. There was no scenes that I thought like this doesn't work or this isn't entertaining it just wasn't like laugh out loud hilarious which everyone has like raved to me about it's more clever so I think that might be coloring it a little bit yes it's very clever 
Yeah. There are a few moments when the very first scene when it's just this heart to heart that Sean and Liz are having and they're talking about people who are theoretically not there and then they quick pan to the people that are just standing right next to them. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, like the way that he plays with the camera, what right. you can see and what it's revealing and what's actually there. Right. And it's revealed that the people they're talking about are right there listening to them have this discussion. I laughed a little bit at that, even though I've seen it. But yeah, most of it is just like a, oh, kind of feeling. Yeah, I did laugh out loud when they had that scene with the two groups walking yeah. past each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought that was very funny. That to me was the funniest part of the movie. And that was a cameo from Martin Freeman, who's probably the most famous person yeah. in the entire movie now. The lesson that I really got from this is if you want to convince someone to watch a movie, be really careful about mm-hmm. how much you build it up. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. So that they don't have an unrealistic expectation of how great it's going to be. Yeah, but how do you like, I don't know, convince somebody like, no, it's really good. You should watch it. Instead of just like raving about like, oh man, this is so funny and I'm going to quote it all the time. Ugh. Hand him a beer and put it on. <laughs> They're either going to watch it or they're not, you know? If it's good enough, they're going to get drawn into it. And Just turn it on with no preamble. Just like, hey, man, you want to you wanna watch some, some TV? Click. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Something about that really struck me as really weird. I would probably leave if somebody did that. The voice I was doing comes with a very shifty eye maneuver. Like you're looking at them and then looking at the TV and then looking back at them. <laughs> like the shifty-eyed dog from The Simpsons. I mean, I'd say make your case to them. And if they are like, yeah, sure, let's watch it. Cool. But if you keep harping on it and building it up so much, when they finally do watch it, they'll just be like, I guess that was okay. I've had stuff like that pitched to me before. Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. That was one. You shut your mouth. (laughs) 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 Oh, so good. So perfect. (laughs) And you guys on your watch through found it just as enjoyable? Yes. I was really excited. I was like, oh, it's time to watch this movie for the podcast. Yes. A lot of times I'm watching these at the last minute, like trying it like the night before, trying to get the notes in, sometimes finishing them the night of. Sure. And you want it fresh in your mind. Right. This one I watched over the weekends. Like I was just, I need to do this. It made me excited to see it. I enjoyed it in different ways, probably, but just as much as I remember enjoying it the many times I've watched it before. Yeah, now you need to see Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is on Netflix. This one is not, but Hot Fuzz is. I don't know if I'm going to hold off on it for another confession or not, but I definitely do really want to see them, which I think a lot of the times when there's like maybe a mystery or a trilogy or something like that, like, do you care enough to want to have those questions answered Mm -hmm. or watch the next one? And in this case, yeah, I definitely care enough to see the rest of them. Right. I mean, you know they're not actually sequels, right? I know they're like a thematic trilogy. Not, well... They weren't even meant to be. So like the whole Cornetto thing wasn't in the original plan. They just sort of stumble upon... It just sort of happened. Yeah, they just sort of stumbled upon it as a theme. So the other ones then have that carry through, but that's not a big part of anything. Feels like when uh, college film students get really high and try and read too much themes and meaning into something. Yeah. Yes. Like, I think that's exactly what happened and somebody (laughs) pointed it out to them and they were like, oh my god, yeah, you're right. Like, what about the ice cream man? So, that was Shaun of the Dead. If you like what you heard, go give us a quick review on iTunes. You can find us at Pop cultureconfessions.com and follow us on Twitter at PCCCast. We'll even give you a shout out on there if you tweet us or review us. And if you have any pop culture confessions, send them in and we probably will read them. Definitely we'll read them. I think we would got an iTunes review too. We did. Oh, I'm supposed to read that. Okay. That's what the H stands for. You're the H in the notes. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I didn't realize. It stands for Amanda. <laughs> Amanda and Orion. <laughs> Okay, so user... Took me twice reading it to laugh at that. (laughs) 
Dantendo64 gave us five stars. All five of them? All five. They said, this is a well-produced, funny, and informative podcast that is absolutely delightful. Highly recommend. If you like movies, you'll love this podcast. It's all caps, so you know they mean it. It's like when you buy something on Amazon and they're like, if you like this, you'll also like this. (laughs) Yeah. So if you like movies, you love us, obviously. Listen to the podcast you just listened to. (laughs) Scream and rage at the podcast as we insult Marvel movies you love. (laughs) 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 Many thanks to WaxLogic for the use of their sweet groove. Okay, guys, I Uh am extremely spooked this time of year. Oh, yeah. There is a chill in the air. Yeah. We're starting to reach sub 90 degree temps (gasps) here in Austin, which that means you know what time it is. It's time for some real chills and frights. Some real spooks and goblins. Some real spoopy things. Some sneaks and some spooks and tricks and treats. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So... I need to confess that I have never seen. And tune in next episode to hear Amanda's pop culture confession. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe.